This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. How's everyone doing? Doing all right? Uh, last week, uh, just real quickly, if you weren't here, uh, we had that, uh, the idea of the, of the three kind of staples within the Christian life, when you give, when you pray, and yes, when you fast. It's a, it's a staple of the Christian life, and then beyond that, uh, within this 21 days, just creating the space uh, for God. We, we clutter our lives with so much stuff that we rarely create the space for him to fill. There's no space for him to fill. You know, it's been said that, that empty hands receive best from the Lord, right? So uh, just creating the space, and then that idea that prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world. So all that's happening in our lives today I uh, just want to talk about prayer and what should be uh, existing in our prayer. Uh, what should be a part of our prayer life. And hopefully this will raise our confidence in, in how we pray. Here's, here's one of the major thoughts uh, for this morning is this. What you pray reflects what you believe about God. What and to some extent how you pray reflects what you believe about God. And we could also say that what you don't pray for reflects what you believe about God. For example, if you don't pray at all, that reflects that you either don't believe in God or you don't believe that He answers prayer. Uh, if you pray very small prayers, little prayers, just little small prayers all the time, it probably reflects that you don't believe in a God that, that answers big prayers. If, if almost all of your prayers are for yourself... Bless me, help me, cover me, be with me, then that reflects that you believe that there's a God that actually is here just to serve you. What you pray about reflects what you believe about God. Here's what I'd like you to do, just for a moment. Just think about this. What did you pray about last week? Think about that. As you were creating space, as you're on this process, this journey, think about what did you pray about last week? Okay, as you're thinking about that, I want to ask you this question. If God answered yes, if he miraculously answered all of your prayers last week that you prayed, how would the world be different today? Think about that. If God answered everything you prayed for last week, would there only be Republicans in office? How would the world be different? Chances are, if you pray like most uh, people pray, the only things that would be different would be the circumstances and situations that are really close to you, if we're honest. For example, if you're a single lady looking to get married, God would have given you a handsome, on-fire, 6'4", dark-haired man that writes poetry and likes walking on the beach. That's ripped. All of the things that I don't do, or am. God would have given them to you. Or, or if you're married and your husband isn't a spiritual leader in the home and you're praying, all of a sudden he just turns into this spiritual giant of a man. Or you would have gotten the race. Or you would have qualified for the house. Your wife would have been more responsive and respectful. Your loved one would have been healed. Your friend's marriage would have been saved. Chances are, if you pray like most people in our culture pray, the only things in our world that would be different are the things close to you in your world. And I'm not saying, 
Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about those things. He does. He cares about every single one of those things. But if the, those are the only things you're praying about. This morning, um, I just want to look at a prayer that was modeled for us by the New Testament church in Acts. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4. And we're basically going to be look at, looking at a... Did you like that? I'm talk, talking while I'm looking at my tongue. Uh, pray, looking at a prayer meeting uh, that's led by Peter and John. Uh, just some context real quickly. Um, we're in Acts chapter 4. So Jesus has been crucified, buried, resurrected. He comes back on the earth for about 40 days in his glorified body, just showing up, kind of freaking some people out, walking through walls, doing that kind of stuff. And before he leaves this earth, he commissions his disciples to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and he says, I'm going to send you something that's going to help you do that. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that's going to give you power. I want you to do this, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to help you do it. But he says, I don't want you to start the mission before you get that. So they go, you know, up into the upper room, 120 people, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, all that happens. And there is an immediate change. Peter who just a couple months before couldn't even accept the fact that he was a disciple of Christ, couldn't admit it. He denies Christ. Now two months later is standing up and boldly proclaiming to a crowd of people and 3,000 people come into the kingdom, miraculously. And they go from there, Peter and John go from there, and they meet a man at the city gate, a gate called Beautiful, a man who's been crippled for 40 years, And you know the story, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have. Okay? I'm going to try to stand still for you guys. Is that better? These people are like trying to dodge around people's heads because I move too much for them. Sorry. Miraculously, the man gets up and he walks, right? Now, the religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin, they don't like this because they're teaching that Jesus has resurrection power. And they, they arrest Peter and John. They stay overnight, and be, the next day they bring them before the Sanhedrin. Acts chapter 4, chapter, uh, verse 7, and this is where we pick it up. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them, and they asked them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This is a bold response from Peter. They go on to say in verse 12, he just wants to remind them, by the way, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the Sanhedrin, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I just, I couldn't resist not looking up that word unschooled. You know what the Greek word for that word there, unschooled, is? It's idiotes. Anybody want to guess what word we get from that? They basically say, these are a couple of idiots and somehow, some way, this man is standing here healed by the power of Jesus. 
And religious leaders would have loved to have kept them in prison or even executed them for what they were doing. But because the crippled guy that everyone had seen for decades sitting outside the city gate is now standing there in front of them because everyone knows this is a miracle, there's nothing they can do about it, so they have to release them. And that's where we pick up this prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Uh, Most people treat prayer as a last resort, as as an escape, as a safety net. Um, We pray when we're in trouble. God, help me. Uh, Help I really need you to come through now. Uh, It's amazing how spiritual we get when we get in trouble. It's amazing how spiritual we get when we score a touchdown. Or when we need the other team to miss a field goal. We become very spiritual. Lots of people kneeling and praying. In fact, even even our language says a lot about what we believe about God. For example, I've, I've seen this a lot. Maybe someone is in a tough situation. They're trying to figure out how to navigate the difficult waters of life and get past the challenge. And when they've done everything they know to do, they'll often say, well, now all we can do is pray. If prayer, if prayer is the last resort, that reflects what you believe about God. I can just see God up in heaven. Oh man, they're down to prayer now. You're depending on me to come through for you. You're in trouble. I'm just the creator of the universe. We do it all the time. Here, in this text, you actually see them praying for things that they already had been experiencing. They actually cry out to God for something that God was already doing. Why? Because prayer is not the fire escape, the last-ditch effort, the final resort. Prayer sustains everything. Prayer connects us to God. What would it be like in the middle of God moving and blessing in your life You were still praying, God, give me more. Give me more of you, more of your spirit, more of your wisdom, more of your power. Crying out to God as if he wasn't doing anything at all. And here, in this prayer, I just want to point out a few things that I believe need to be existing in our prayers. Three things that I want to point out about the prayer that they prayed. Number one, it's unified. It's a unified prayer. It was united. That's what I loved about Wednesday night. We could all come together and in agreement very, be very focused on we're going to pray about this for the next few minutes. Let's pray about And we can unite together our hearts. I love that. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. I can't tell you how important that is for us to learn as a young church. That when someone says, let's pray, we respond together in prayer to God. There's something incredibly powerful that happens when believers come together and lift up with one voice. There's a power in a unified voice. And you might say, well, I kind of prefer quiet prayers. And that's not really my preference. I get that. If you can figure out a way to raise your voice together in prayer quietly, you let me know. Uh, even though that may not be your natural tendency, I'll be honest with you, that is not my natural tendency either. You may say, I don't believe, I promise you. Um, 
There is something powerful, though. At times, when I may not have the faith to believe, I hear someone else's faith being expressed. It's almost like I get to climb up on top of their faith, and it builds my faith. And then I'm prompted to pray and to believe for more. And there's a a cumulative, exponential multiplication that happens in our faith. And Scripture vindicates this truth, that power comes when believers together come together in agreement to pray. I don't know if you've ever been in a prayer meeting like that, when they've said, okay, let's pray. And I'm not talking about it getting weird and crazy. I've been to that prayer meeting too. And I'm I'm talking about that. No one person is sticking out and interpreting some kind of dance. And I'm talking about that. Banners and all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about us bringing a petition to God at the same time. If you've never been in an environment like that, it is powerful. And that's what these believers were doing. Under extraordinary persecution, this New Testament church, a unified prayer. The second thing that you see in their prayer is this. It's scriptural. It's unified and it's scriptural. Most, if not all of the prayers that you see in the New Testament, this one included, incorporate scripture into their prayer. In this passage, they quote a reference from Psalm chapter 2 that David has already prayed. And the reason, it's almost like they're reminding God of what he said and what he's already done. They go, you said God. No, you, you did this God. And as they say that, their faith, the next time you see a prayer in your New Testament, and there's a reference to it, more than likely, if you look down at the bottom of the little letter and it takes you to another passage of Scripture, more than likely it will take you to a psalm or to an Old Testament prophet that's already prayed that prayer. That's why it's important to pray your Bible. Anytime you see me lead in prayer, Wednesday night, I'll use a lot of Scripture. It frames our prayers. God's Word already has power and authority in it. And we already know it's His will because it's His Word. You know, I can pray what I think should be prayed, but I'll never get it wrong praying His Word. So we pray scriptural prayers. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, listen to the prayer that they prayed. Sovereign Lord, they said... You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, as if he needs to be reminded of this. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And here they quote David. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth, they rise up and the rulers, they band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They found a previous prayer that had already been spoken that they could identify with their situation, and they prayed the same prayer over their situation. How many have ever done that? You find a prayer, you find uh, David crying out to God in the Psalms, and you go, that is exactly where... Pray that scripture for your life. Scriptural prayer. Don't feel like you've always got to come up with your own words. They didn't. Sovereign. Sovereign Lord, they say. Which basically just says, you're the man. You're in charge, ultimately over it all. You have the final word. You're the Lord. They start this entire prayer with this massive God consciousness. You're the supreme creator. You've ordained it all. You're in charge. You're the sovereign Lord. They use scripture to reiterate their prayer. Third thing, that their prayer is, and that I think our prayer should be, it's powerful. 
It's powerful. It's united, unified, one voice. It's scriptural. And it's powerful meaning that there was a spirit energy about it. I'm reminded of the verse in James chapter 5, verse 16. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You might say, why does my prayer... Devin, you're just so passionate about this, but I just, that's not, why does my prayer have to be powerful? Uh, Another uh, translation calls them fervent prayers. And it says that those fervent prayers, they avail much, they accomplish much. Is God deaf? Does he just require more energy? Listen, it has less to do with God and more to do with what it does for us and our faith in him. If we start praying fervently, now, again, don't allow the focus to get off of him. How many have ever seen someone in their fervency draw attention to themselves? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuine, authentic, powerful, fervent prayer. And I'm not expecting us to get there overnight as a new church. But I am saying that I would like to see us grow in that area. Let's become a New Testament church in, a way, in the way that we pray. Not only together, but individually. It ought to have an energy to it. I don't know about you. I'm a pacer. You guys know that. You watch me. It's like a tennis match. You know? I'm a pacer. It's just my natural tendency. I get on the phone and I pace. I just, energy, life, right? Where, do you have that energy? There are two things uh, in their powerful prayer that they pray for and request. And it's my prayer as a church that we would pray and live these two requests that they include in their powerful prayer, this united, unified, scriptural, powerful prayer. There's two things that they request. Because listen, if if we're going to make a difference in the world, we're not going to be able to be half-hearted, lukewarm, cultural Christian. We've got to be fully devoted followers of Christ who live courageously, For the name, by the way, that is above every other name, Jesus. Their powerful prayers included two requests. The first request was this, boldness. Boldness. We're going to ask God to make us bold. Uh, Boldness is behavior born out of belief. Okay, if, if how and what you pray reflects what you believe about God... Boldness is the behavior that's born out of that belief. The lack thereof or the reality of it in your life. Boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Listen to their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Can you say that word? Boldness. Boldness. Yes. What what, what were the threats? We don't even know what the threats were against them. We can only assume that it was what they've already experienced, and that was Beating, jailing, coming before the Sanhedrin. And I I look at that, and if I objectively look at this situation, I'm thinking, isn't boldness what got you arrested in the first place? Haven't you already displayed your boldness? Aren't you already bold? And here they are, praying for more boldness. If I were consulting consulting them today in, in our culture, I might say, maybe we lay low just a little bit. Just... Chill on the Jesus stuff just a little bit. Just pull back just a little bit. Here they are, 
praying for more boldness. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever asked for boldness? Have you ever just said, God, make me bold? If the answer is no, why not? Maybe, maybe you just have not thought of it. Or maybe, maybe it is scary to you. I kind of like my comfortable life. The bottom line is that boldness is an others-centered prayer. Boldness typically doesn't help me, but instead it's for someone else to know and understand the love of God through Jesus Christ. Let me be honest. Most of the prayers that are prayed are very self-centered prayers. Protect me, provide for me, grant to me, help me to pass this test, help me to get the raise, and in Jesus' name, help this pimple to go away before the dance on Saturday night. Jesus' name. It's amazing, the prayers we pray. If God were to answer all the prayers that you prayed last week, how would the world be different other than being pimple-free? When you pray for boldness, I'll guarantee you this. God will start bringing people into your life you will start intersecting with people that need truth, that need encouragement, that, that need his love. Ashley, uh, through the years, has jokingly said that I have a neon blinking sign over my head that basically just says, tell me your story. Tell me your darkest day. Tell me your greatest heartache. I would love to just throw up on me. I don't know if anyone else has that. I, now, I actually love it. It's kind of sadistic, but I just love it. And people just open up and they just start. Now, that doesn't happen by accident. I pray, Lord, put me in situations where I can display your truth, your grace, your mercy, and make me bold to respond. Have you ever missed a moment? Have you ever missed a moment and you thought, oh, God, I mi- you gave me an opportunity. I missed a moment. Be bold. It doesn't matter where we are. We could be out on a date, running errands making out in the frozen food section, whatever. We could be wherever. You start praying for boldness. Listen, you start praying for God to give you opportunity to minister to others. Be careful what you pray. Just get ready. And pretty soon, you'll start thinking that every encounter is a setup for you to speak life over people's lives. Every encounter. I dare you. I dare you to pray an others-centered prayer. Use me today. Use me for your glory. Make me bold. Stir me up. Give me eyes to see the people that are in need. Give me a heart that's sensitive. Give me prompting of the Spirit to minister to those around me. And then give me the courage to step out and to be used by you, God. You pray that, and you watch God. He'll do something. He'll do something in your life, and he'll use you to touch the lives of others. Okay, the second thing, the second thing that their powerful prayer included was this, the request for miracles. The request for miracles. The request for boldness. Now again, they've just walked away from experiencing a miracle. A man's been lame for 40 years. They've watched him get up, walk away, praising God, and here they are praying, verse 30 of chapter 4, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We're talking, we're talking about praying big prayers. Heal sick people, raise the dead, cast out demons, do miraculous signs, wonders. You want to make a big, bold difference in your world? Pray big, bold prayers. 
Because what you pray for reflects and reveals what you believe about God. When was the last time you prayed for a miracle? Because if you haven't prayed for a miracle, it reflects that you believe in a God that doesn't do miracles. God has to be thinking at times. Give me something difficult here. You know, most people, when they are asked, are open and receptive to you praying for them. I've been all over the world, more than 40, 50 nations around the world. I have never had someone say, no, you can't pray for me. People are longing for someone to care enough. A lot of times, I'm kind of doing the double prayer. Like, I'm praying for them, and I'm asking God, what should I be, I'm, you know, pastors can do the double prayer thing. I'm asking God, pray, what am I praying about? Lord, pray, be with them. You understand that you could possibly be the conduit that God uses to reveal himself to people simply by being obedient and being bold enough to pray for them. You could be the catalyst of transformation in someone's life, but you have to be willing to be bold enough to believe that God can perform a miracle in their life. You say, well, what if it doesn't happen? Why, why do so many people not pray bold prayers? Well, because what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. People think, I don't want to be disappointed. And they, they cloak it in, I, I don't want God to look bad. God's been looking good for years, okay? But you, that's how you cloak it, because you don't want to look bad. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want them to think that I don't. I tried it before. It didn't work. So we, we give God these escape clauses, you know. If it be thy will, O Lord. If you see fit, God. I, I've done it too. Just as guilty. Here's where I am. I want you to hear this with all of my heart. I have no fear Anytime, anywhere, asking God to do anything because I have seen him do things that are totally unexplainable in human terms. Now, does that mean God always does it? No, it doesn't. Not at all. Remember when Joshua prayed and the sun actually stands still. Time actually stops. There are times when we pray for the sun to stand still and instead it sets. Listen. Here is where my faith is. My faith is big enough in God that I can ask him for something and my faith can handle him not answering the way that I thought he should answer. My faith is big enough that I can handle God saying no. Stephen Heather Volman, you think they didn't pray and believe that their little boy was going to be healed? You think they didn't pray with all of their belief and faith that they could muster up, that they were... When that didn't happen, what What happened? Their faith stood strong and firm. Why? Because they had strong enough faith that they could handle God doing something differently than what they thought should happen. What's your, how big is your faith? Is it, is it only based upon God doing the way that you think it should happen all the time? During this 21-day period, I, not, not just during this, I hope this will become a pattern in your life. I'm going to ask you to pray bold prayers. Prayers that scare you. Not manageable, controllable, planned prayers. Bold prayers. 
I'm asking you to pray for miracles. Now, I'm not asking you to live haphazardly, carelessly, frivolously, and then expect God to make up for it. God, give us traveling mercies, and then you drive like a bat out of Hades and drive 30 miles over the speed limit. That's not the way it works. I'm not talking about that. I would love for the testimony to be God showed up, God showed off, He did it, He gets all the glory for it. And if God doesn't answer the way that we saw fit, God is still God. And that shouldn't shake our faith. Because we believe that He is the sovereign creator of the universe. We're going to pray bold prayers because what we pray reflects and reveals what we believe about God. Question for you. What are your prayers revealing about what you believe about God? Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.